No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Ken's Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kenslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we grade the Bears 2021 draft class and much more. Hey, Dub, what's the good word, fam? Hey, everything is all good, Press. How about you? Man, I'm good, brother. Still basking in the glow of uh, Ryan Pace and the fact that we got Justin Fields as our quarterback. Looking forward to this weather here in Chicago, man, getting a little bit better. It's been so many damn gloomy days out here, bro. Yeah, man. Looking forward to seeing the spring kick in a little bit better than what it is now. Yeah, this has been some depressing shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that cold weather kick is like, do I got to put the heat back on? Yeah, because you don't know what to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, everything good with work and everything? You know, work is pretty crazy these days, man. You know, COVID's still around and, you know, brother's working like crazy. So, you know, doing the best I can to handle multiple things, multiple hats. But yeah, overall, pretty good, though. That's all you could do, man. Just take it a day at a time. That's it. Man, well, let's get into the episode, man. Uh, so, audience, as A-Dub mentioned, we're going to give out some grades here of the Bears draft class. And we're also going to break down what our division rivals did as well. So we got a lot to unpack on this episode. But before we get into it, the first order of business that we have is we want to get into this Charles Leno release. So as you guys remember on the last episode, we were hyping up the acquisition of Tevin Jenkins. We're both still very excited about that move. On that episode, though, I wondered out loud. I said, hey, what's going to happen with Charles Leno? And in my opinion, I wondered. Will he just stick around for another year just to be like kind of like a stopgap and you let these younger guys on that line grow and develop within the league and so forth? But we saw it ended up happening. What was your thoughts on Charles Leno getting released? Man, friends, I was a little shocked in a way because I thought that Leno would get another year out of him. But I was not surprised by the fact of why they wanted to get rid of him and who they wanted to start. I mean, we're going to let Tevin Jenkins take that position there on our last episode. I was worried about who's better fit for that particular role, give us the best chance of being successful. And what it looks like is Ryan Pace and, and Nagy, they're like, hey, maybe this kid is the best option, the best choice to go with at this particular time. So this speaks volume for Tevin Jenkins, pretty much, for as what it does. And I'm kind of proud to see the kid get an opportunity if he's going to be the starter coming to the season. I'm just going to keep it all the way funky here. I mean, when, when you see a move like this happen, it's just a, a result of the bad salary cap management that this organization has had. So going into the draft, we know that we were just a tad bit over $400,000 in cap space, A-Dub, entering the draft. Obviously, when you draft all these guys, you got to sign these guys. Charles Little, to me, I think it wasn't the fact that he was cut because of Jenkins. I think they had cut him because they were like, well, what else are we going to do here? We, we got to get under this salary cap threshold. And so guess what? This guy being cut, it freed up $9 million in cap space. Some thoughts that I'm just going to give on Charles Leno. Everybody that listens to this show and has been an OG listener of the Bear Essentials podcast, you guys know that I've gone in on Charles Leno. I call him a turnstile and all kinds of other shit. But I'm going to say this. Former seventh-round draft pick, the guy actually made something of himself career-wise. And every season, you knew that what you were going to get from him, guys. The guy played in every, damn near every game. I never remember seeing him sit out of any games, right? From a standpoint of basically the guy being available and, and playing in the games, he did. Now, we can all debate and say he could have been better. Yeah, he could have. He was average at best. But I really am concerned about the fact that you released this guy, and now you have a guy in Tevin Jenkins who I think is going to be a hell of a ball player. But I think you put more pressure on him going into the 2021 season now 
by now thrusting him into that left tackle position because I think that that's probably where he's going to get moved over to. So now you have this guy that's going to be your left tackle, and then I'm assuming on the right side of the line where you'll probably have a Fetty and Wilkinson and Borum, those guys will all probably be competing for that spot, which it'll probably end up being a Fetty getting that job. So when I look at this offensive line, I say, why couldn't we have just kept Leno for one more year, have Tevin Jenkins be over there on that right side, and then we keep it moving there. I mean, what are your thoughts there, Adele? Because that's just kind of what I'm thinking when I'm thinking about this move that was made. No, you make up an um, interesting point there, Press. maybe having them all start on the right side. But I think where the Bears are at, they pretty much want to see if the future can start now than later. And what you don't want to see happen is you don't want to have Tevin Jenkins out there playing left tackle and making mistakes with Justin Fields out there. So they might be thinking that let him get all the kinks out the way now. Any problems he have, issues that can be fixed. Let's fix those on the field, hopefully. And then by the time Justin Fields gets to the field, we won't have those issues uh, moving forward. So, yeah, you're right. I agree with you for the perspective that he could even start over at the, on the right side of it. That would be a good spot for him over there, too. But the guy's so talented, they can play multiple roles, right? And um, they felt that it's probably the best fit for him to get him started earlier with playing the, the left tackle. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with that. I hate to see Leno go like this. Again, I'm with you, Prez. I thought Leno could have got another year out of him and done well and done okay. He wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. But the fact that Tevin Jenkins could have the up ceiling going on him to show more and show more promise, I think I'm not against what Pace wants to do with having Tevin Jenkins come out the back. And this says a lot about that kid. Maybe he is ready, Press, more so than what we think. So one idea that I thought about, and I wonder how many of our listeners probably feel this way as well, but I wonder when we look at this situation with Leno being cut, and freeing up that $9 million in cap space to be able to have some money for the draft class and maybe a little extra money to maybe even get another left tackle in here. So I wondered, do we still potentially keep Tevin Jenkins at right tackle? And do the Bears go bargain shopping and they bring in a left tackle that's someone that's still a free agent? So I thought about that and I said, that could be a potential option. You keep Jenkins over there in that right tackle spot. He learns, he grows within the league. And you get a veteran guy over there at left tackle and let that guy get the job done over there. I mean, what are your thoughts there? No, Press, you hit a good one, man, because you never know what uh, Pace may be up to. <laughs> you know, Pace is always sneaky. I won't be shocked if we go out and get another tackle at this particular time frame, because I think from this standpoint, I think more depth is very important, right, for this team and for the franchise and for the future. And you're going to need the best of the best when you talk about protecting Justin Fields as your biggest asset. So because I think they probably are looking at the options as well to add to the depth. I look at it like this, and I'm just going to throw out a couple names, and I wonder if our listeners are kind of on the same page here. But you got Eric Fisher, and you have Mitchell Schwartz. Now, these are both guys that have some medical things in the league that probably may cause some teams maybe to kind of shy away from them. But I think that that price tag for them, if they get cleared, would be something that we could bring in here. But I would say get in a veteran offensive tackle for cheap, get them in here. I think that just stabilizes the line and we don't put Tevin Jenkins in a situation where we're really exposing him to, you know, making errors and mistakes out there because you got to think about it. I talked about in the last episode, he's primarily played right tackle in his career. He did play a few games at left tackle, but that's not his, you know, preferred position. Right. Right. So with that being said, he's going to have to, you know, build up to being that. Now, could he, I'm sure he can. The kid's a fucking beast. He's a monster, but, I just feel like a rookie player in the NFL thrusting him into that left tackle position. We'll see. Maybe he's ready for it. But I would much rather him be on that right side and we get a veteran guy to play over on that left tackle position. And that could be a legit option for us that we get somebody that can play left tackle. Like you said, there are some guys out there, some veterans out there. I like the ones you already mentioned already. That will be good for us because you're right. That four, we can have, again, have Jenkins go over there to the right side and do his thing. And it also gives us time to buy time to where we can also continue to grow him if we're looking for the potential to take the left tackle role in the future. So it's good to see the guy able to do multiple things and continue to grow. That can speak dividends for us as a franchise of having the guy to do that. Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, we talked about it so much, but that tackle position was one of our biggest concerns on that offensive line over the season, during this offseason. So for me, I want people to understand that I'm not sitting here on this show basically saying that Charles Leno was like going to be some invaluable part of this offensive line. What I was thinking of, why was he cut and why wasn't Jimmy Graham cut? I'm just still wondering why Jimmy Graham is still on this team. 
Hey, man. <laughs> hey, that's a good one, though, because you're right. Jimmy Graham is still part of the franchise at this point. Anything can happen with that. I did like Jimmy Graham last season. He done well for us. He executed with red zone. But you're right. He has a big price tag on him as well. So you never know, Prez. Pace could be up to something again when it comes down to position players. And we do have commit that we want to see play more this coming season. So with that, we can push Jimmy Graham pretty much on his way out the door or coming off the bench or whatever. So it's a lot of things, a lot of decisions that still need to be made. And I think the tight end is one that we haven't gotten to just yet. Yeah, but I was just saying in regards to this particular situation, I was curious that of why Lindo was cut mm-hmm. as opposed to Jimmy Graham. Because to the point, yeah, we, we know Cole Komet's probably going to be that guy going forward at the tight end position. But you're paying Jimmy Graham a shit ton of money to be a backup. Charles Lindo's salary, to be honest, as a starting left tackle in the league, was a pretty fair salary. Is this just part of Ryan Pace's like little scheme? Is this just like a little chess move that he's making and he's got something up his sleeve? Because Jimmy Graham's got a $10 million cap hit. That's a big cap hit for a guy that's going to be a backup tight end, and especially a tight end that we know that they don't even utilize the damn right way half the time. (laughs) Exactly, Prez. And you know what? I think Pace got some of his sleeve as well, Prez. You hit on something very, very interesting about why he's still here. I'm not going to close the door on that part of it, Prez. I think something might happen with Jimmy Graham. We're not done. We'll see what happens, but I'm still curious of why why it was let off. I'm curious of what we're going to do with Tevin Jenkins, if he's going to be on the right side, if he's going to be on the left side. We got a lot of time to let this stuff play out. Is Ryan Pace going after a left tackle on the market? Who knows, man? But I'll tell you one thing, Bears Nation. I'm still very much excited about the future of Tevin Jenkins. He's going to be a hell of a player. And you guys already know how high me and A-Dub both were on the draft that that Ryan Pace had. So we're going to get into that a little bit further in the episode. One thing that I did want to piggyback on real quick, I wanted to talk about the acquisition of Bird, the receiver that we got from the New England Patriots, Jameer Bird. Now, A-Dub, the one thing that I'm going to say to you about this wide receiver room now with all these acquisitions that we've made, we had Goodwin, Newsom in the draft, and now Bird, Speed kills, man. Now you add these three guys with Darnell Mooney, your boy, brother. That's going to be so much damn speed on that damn, that damn wide receiver room, man. Andy Dalton, man, shit, you better be ready because you got some targets. <laughs> hey, look, friends, you got guys like that, that kind of speed. There are no plays off. We're going to put those secondaries, those other opponents' secondary to work pretty much. You got to guard all these guys who got speed. That's a tough task, man, for a lot of defenses. And I, I'm, I'm kind of happy about the Bears making these moves to get a, a lot of speed on this team. Because I'll tell you one thing, Perez, when that speed coming at you like that, those DBs, safeties, hey, man, they got to get their mind in order to try to check all that. This is going to be a tough task moving forward. And the one point that the A-Dub brought up there, which I want you guys to really hone in on, is the fact that as an offense, when you keep continuing to trot out just multiple type of weapons and putting that type of pressure on the secondary, my goodness, for your offense, that just really opens up the field for just all type of plays. And it also, too, the threat of having that deep ball opens the field up for other guys to make plays. It opens the field up for Cole Komet. It opens the their running lanes for David Montgomery. So this, to me, was just a smart signing. And Ryan Pace, I'm telling you, he's been a man on fire right now, bro, so far. He's done so much well. And I really appreciate what he's done with this wide receiver group, A-Dub. Yeah, me too, man. And the more the, the more weapons we have, the merrier, right? I think you like the fact of having weapons. That's one thing that most quarterbacks want. They want to have weapons, right? Guys they can throw to, guys who get open. With that kind of speed, man, like you and I were talking about, Perez, that's an opportunity. That's going to really be telling. It's going to be something that I'll tell you right now, Eddie Dalton's going to enjoy, and this is going to be an exciting team to watch. And I would love to see the Bears play faster with this type of unit here, with these guys with that kind of speed. We don't need to slow the game down. We just go ahead and just play football, man and speed it up, speed that game up. And another thing too, and this is a theme that we're probably seeing with what Ryan Pace is doing, but Bird has experience with returning kicks. So obviously, listeners, you know that we lost Cordero Patterson. So in his career, Bird has not only returned kickoffs, but he's also returned punts as well. So that's now another weapon that's going to be able to come in here and help out the special teams, right? And so we know in the past, Tariq Cohen's been all pro at punt return but he is coming off of a torn ACL. 
And I wonder, A-Dub, just from my point of view, I think that the Bears may probably look to utilize Tariq Cohen in the slot a little bit more this season as opposed to having him out there on punt returns and using them strictly out of the backfield. So I think adding all these additional weapons in here, we're probably seeing opportunities where we're probably going to use Tariq Cohen a little bit more, I would say, to his uh, full capabilities uh, next season. With having Tariq Cohen not take so much punishment as he did in previous years, I think that helps because a guy coming off an injury press, that's always tough as it is, right? So with that, you want to give other guys who are able to do these things an opportunity as well, and therefore less pressure on, on Tariq Cohen. So you can still keep Tariq fresh, have him do some things, but definitely have some depth now who can help him out. And that's something you're going to enjoy about this team as well. So I like the idea of having somebody, dual guys who can do similar things and multiple things. And a hell of a point. Question for you, A-Dub. What do you think this means for Anthony Miller? So we, we talk about this a lot on the show with the fact that he was on the trade block. A lot of fans wanted him out of here after the, some of the shenanigans that he pulled last year in that damn playoff game and just overall his inconsistency. But when you look at Ryan Pace and how he's really looked at this wide receiver group in the offseason, what do you think that means for Anthony Miller as far as being in a Bears uniform? You know what, Perez? It could mean that we're still shopping him, looking for a suitor who wants to trade for him. And if we can't find a suitor, guess what? He's on the team, Perez. He's on a short leash, meaning we have other guys who can step in and do some of the things that he was able to do. So from that standpoint, the snaps for him can get less and less if he's not able to produce, because we're not going to tolerate the inconsistency that we did last season. So I'll just say this. I 100% agree with what you're saying. He's got to be on the shortest of shortest of leashes if he does come back. I can't imagine the trade market for Anthony Miller has to be that vast. And so Mm -hmm. if Ryan Pace were to cut him just outright, we lose him for nothing, his salary isn't even enough that would give us much in salary cap room. So it might just be a situation where we may end up seeing him come back and they may just give the guy a last shot here. But I'm going to tell you one thing. With the guys that they've brought here in the offseason, whether it's through the draft and through free agency here, that wide receiver room is going to have a lot of competition in it. And you think about guys like Miller, you got to think about guys like Ridley and Williams. That's basically letting them know that they need to come in here this summer and training camp, and they better be ready to fucking go. These guys are in competition. And I like it because the thing is, before, I don't think Miller really looked over his shoulder. Well, guess what? You got to now. You got to now. And those other guys who want to remain on the team, like you said, really, the guys at Williams, look, you got some competition. You know, Newman coming in ready to go. So you got some of these other guys from free agents we picked up who are ready to go. So if you're not going to step your game up, it's possible you may not be on this team much longer in the near future. So it's, it's this is telling right here, Press. It really is. But the good thing I'm looking looking forward to is the competition piece. I want to see if guys like Miller can rise to the occasion to know that, hey, I got competition here. I know you're looking to replace me, possibly because I've been struggling in the past. This is a good time frame for me to step my game up now while I can to show that I got some value here. Well, one thing you mentioned about that man looking over his shoulder, well, I don't know what he was doing when Darnell Mooney snatched his damn job, but he took that shit while that man was resting. Right. <laughs> exactly, because Mooney wasn't playing around, man. But guess what, Perez? The opportunities get less and less for you, right? So guess what? Mooney took your spot. Look, you got the slot right now, dude. That can be taken as well if you're not ready. And and that's the that's an important point for our audience that's listening to this show to think about. Now, he already had his number two receiver spot taken. Now, what's next? You let a rookie or a, a free agent come in here and snatch your, your, your slot job? Then it's like, well, what's the point? Why are you even here? It'll be very interesting, A-Dub, to see how Anthony Miller reports to camp and his attitude and his approach to the game during the preseason. So what are we seeing? If he's still a part of this team, I'll be interested to see how things go with him going forward. I'm looking forward to that, man. All eyes on him, really, in that uh, receiving core. For sure. Another area when we're talking about all eyes on, we were wondering this season, A-Dub, this upcoming season, if fans would be back in the stands or not. We saw this week uh, there was an article in the Tribune where it's reporting that uh, tickets are going to go on sale May 12th for fans to return to Soldier Field. What are your thoughts there on that news, man? Man, Press, I'm happy to see fans in the stadium, man. It's boring watching games with no fans. It really is. The fans get you pumped up. They get excited, you know, that, that loud noise, Press, that can um, throw some of these opponents off. It's just something about the fans, man, that you just enjoy. They're a big part of the game. 
and have them come back, man, I'm kind of happy for them. I still want people to be safe when they come back. But again, I am happy to see the fans come back to the game. Yeah, and one thing that you mentioned, it's a hell of a point in the fact that that atmosphere, you can't beat that. When when that Bears defense is on the field on a third down and you're trying to get that opponent's offense, you know, throwing them off a little bit, and that Bears crowd is roaring, there's nothing like it. And that was something that we missed last year. And I wondered if our defense missed having that 12th man just kind of like helping them out in those type of situations. So what does this mean for season ticket holders at these games? How are they going to make sure that people are going to be able to come back to the games? That's one of the things that I'm just wondering about. Yeah, man, that is something to think about. And to me, I'm always concerned about people's safety. You know, that's the most important thing for me, Perez. I don't want anyone getting sick or anyone catching COVID or anything like that. So I always wonder from that aspect of things. But I'm hoping that those fans who are there can definitely behave in the best way they possibly can with each other and not do anything that could possibly cause anyone to get sick. But overall, man, like you said, Perez, that fan base does play another part of the game. They add to the motivation of the players out on the field. But with that motivation they're trying to bring, let's also ensure that somehow we can do the right thing with balancing out social distancing with actually having fans there. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I am curious to know how we're going to do that. Yeah, and so the one thing that I do know, a letter did go out to season ticket holders. Uh, Everybody knows uh, that listens to the show that I am a season ticket holder. And they mentioned in that letter that the organization is going to be working closely with the city and state and health officials, A-Dub. So Mm -hmm. there's probably going to be a lot of safety policies that are going to be in place, and they're going to be strictly enforced. So another thing that I'm just wondering about is how – are we going to handle limits of tickets? How many people are going to be allowed at the games? There's just right. so many things that I'm just curious about how that's going to work. Yeah, exactly, Chris. Those are all valid points right there that makes a difference. What they look like, where the seats are at, who's going to sit here, where, how the distancing is going to look. Like you said, the, the, the count, how many people are going to be at the games. And that part of it could possibly help with the social distancing piece, Chris, if it's to the point to where you don't have everyone so close together, jammed up together by party. If you got four or five people with you, right? In your party, you guys can probably separate from the other ones who are with the party or by themselves. So it's more about what this is going to look like, what that party is going to look like, and what the season is going to look like versus the availability as well. It'll be still be exciting to have fans there, but definitely taking precaution and doing all the right things that making sure people are safe. One thing, though, while we're talking about Soldier Field, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring this part up, but there was a rumor out there circulating around about the Bears potentially looking at or eyeing a move to the suburbs. So it says something along the lines that they were eyeing the site where Arlington uh, Racetrack is. Yeah. I'm not sure if you got a chance to look at that, but bro, I, I looked at that shit and I'm like, oh, like what you going to do, Mayor Lightfoot? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be awesome though, Perez, because I still think the stadium we have is, in my opinion, kind of small. It's not up to date like some of those other stadiums are. You know, like look at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, right? That's an awesome stadium if you've ever been there. There are so many stadiums mm-hmm. that are, to, go up to your point, is very, I mean, standard, right? That's prepared to take on, you know, an all-star game, you know, whatever. So we need to arena something like that as well to where we can do multiple things. Doing it that way might be a good solution. If the money is right and we can we can do it right and they can build it up the right way. So this will give them a fresh start. You get a fresh start. And I'm quite sure this will be a motivating factor for the team, right, to have a new facility to play in if things like that was to happen. And so, A-Dub, that's a good point as far as capacity. That's one thing that you look at with Soldier Field. I think if you're able to maybe get a new stadium in the future, larger capacity, maybe you could throw a dome on that thing, that's going to equal potential Super Bowl that will be able to come here to Chicago in the future. Also, yep. you brought up a point about the Dallas Cowboys and that stadium. That stadium is used for all type of events. There's things that are going on year-round at that right. stadium. And that's revenue. And we know how that McCaskey family is about that buck. So my thing is, I know uh, Mayor Lightfoot is saying that the NFL wouldn't let the Bears move to a suburban site. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I don't know. Right. You, you sure? <laughs> exactly. You sure, Mayor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there, friends, because there's a lot of things they got to think about, man, from a financial standpoint. And those are things that help change the mindset and the culture of what you do next. I wouldn't be a proponent of me having to, to drive all the way out to Arlington Heights to go to a Bears game, because obviously with us living closer towards the city, it's easier for us to get to Soldier Field. But I would say that Arlington Park would be a nice little location for a stadium. It's a nice open site there, 
And for any of our listeners, I mean, you guys probably have, have seen it yourselves. I really think that that would not be the worst idea. And I would say if the Bears don't do it, the White Sox probably may. Right, right. And you're right, Fred. Someone else will probably take over that, that spot. Because the thing is, even the parking over there looks decent. You know how hard it is parking downtown now. <laughs> you know, you got to go down the bylaw and all those different things. And, you know, it's just become hectic trying to get out <laughs> from that area of what Soldier Field is at. So, yeah, I think even in that area, you talk about capacity and, and things of nature from a parking standpoint, bigger space, better exit opportunity. <laughs> I mean, it's just so many things that goes well in addition to just, you know, um, the stadium being built itself. And I'm, a, I'm about to be petty here with this one, but more bathrooms. Fuck, Soldier Field <laughs> does not have enough bathrooms. There is no reason why if I need to go to the bathroom, I miss a half a quarter of a fucking game. What are we doing? <laughs> hey, man, I didn't go there, but you know what? I'm glad you went there. Because <laughs> you're right, that is an important factor as well, right? All the things that Soldier Field doesn't have, the new stadium can have those things, right, added to it. So, yeah, man, <laughs> we can learn from our mistakes for what Soldier Field looks like and build up better with the new stadium. So if they make that decision, Perez, at some point make, and decide to go that route, they'll be a plus for the organization. Now, I'm quite sure they will profit off that. Yeah. Now, one thing for our listeners to kind of keep in mind of is the Bears are in a lease with the Park District there for Soldier Field for at least, I think, another maybe 10 or 11 years. Yeah. But I don't know how, how things go as far as breaking leases and things of that nature, but I do know that there is a current lease. But we'll see what happens, eh, Doug? Yeah, more to come on that. If Even if they shut it down, right, the idea down, it's a good approach to think about something that we might want to do with that. So, mm-hmm. Well, man, let's get into the nuts and bolts of this episode. So on our last episode, we talked briefly about Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins. We talked about Larry Borum. But we didn't really give you guys our grades. We didn't give you guys all of our snapshot on what we thought about this draft as a whole. So what we're going to do today, ladies and gentlemen, is we are going to delve into round by round, and we're going to give each pick a grade, and we're going to basically give a breakdown on what we think about each of those individuals. So I'm going to start it off with Justin Fields. First round pick at 11. I give it an A. I thought this was Ryan Pace's moment. He did what he had to do there, A-Dub. And some people will say, man, they gave up a lot to get this kid. And I said, well, guess what? This is a position that we've needed to upgrade for as long as I've been a Bears fan. And I say, why not give up whatever you had to do to get this guy? Because as I said, I think he's the second best quarterback in this draft, and he may go down as the best quarterback in this draft. He's got tons of potential. I still don't know how he fell down to 11. Still glad that he did, A-Dub. And honestly, with the way that this kid carries himself, his poise, he has like a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He also kind of has like a little bit of a petty uh, demeanor to him, which I really love. That really intrigues me to see that. When they showed that draft video of Matt Nagy, and Matt Nagy was like falling all over himself, telling him how excited he was to have him on the team. And Justin Fields' expression on his face never changed. And he was just like, yeah, cool, let's do it. I was like, man, this is a man of no, a few words. He's like, let's do this. Let's go, right? Talk is cheap. You know what I mean? But A-Dub, I give it an A, but I'm just going to say this, man. I can only imagine what his ceiling is going to be. We need to continue to evolve this team on offense, keep getting these weapons on the team, the offensive line. We need to strengthen that shit up because I'm telling you, man, this guy right here, he might be the future, man. He might lead us to that promised land, man, that we've been talking about for many years as fans. But Justin Fields, I give him an A. Love the pick. Ryan Pace, thank you again. Man, Press, hey, look, you said a whole lot there, brother. And that's a whole lot I agree with. <laughs> this guy was thrown to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. He's the guys he was thrown to in Ohio State. Not top talent, really, <laughs> at all, really. You know, talk about from the wide receiver core. This guy has a chance now to throw with some good people. Top talent from a wide receiver standpoint. Getting a chance to throw to Mooney. Hopefully A-Rob's around when that time comes, right? That's top talent, right, that you asked me in the league from that standpoint. So it'll be good to see a guy who went from being impactful with not great wide receivers to being an impactful player with great guys. So that'll be pretty good, man. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing with him. It's just the unfortunate thing with him is that we got to wait till it happens. But I think the wait is going to be perfectly for us by waiting for this guy to get his chance. But I'm telling you, man, 
I am really happy for him to get the opportunity to play with us. I think Ryan Pace made the right call, right decision that we talked about, Perez. And I'm looking forward to this challenge, man, to see this kid play because that, that talent he has, man, is a low. It's a low. And combined talent with impact, that's even more beautiful. So I'm looking forward to him playing at some point. Adel brought up a really excellent point that I wanted to take a couple minutes just to kind of talk to real quick. So he talked about the weapons that that Justin Fields had at his disposal at, at, at Ohio State. Now, not going to like, you know, say too much about those guys because, I mean, they, they were pretty decent players. But Justin Fields, to A-Dub's point, wasn't throwing to the type of talent that a Trevor Lawrence was throwing to or a Mac Jones was throwing to, right? Those guys right. both had the benefit of being surrounded by five-star blue-chip type of talent, right? And I'm sure Ohio State had some four-star, some five-star talent on that team, but it's levels to this. There's levels of Alabama Clemson talent versus Big Ten talent. And right. what we saw from Justin Fields is, he made things happen on the big stage. He's tough. Look at the hit that he took in the BCS game where I almost thought that he was out for the game. And he comes back in the game and launches a 60-yard touchdown. The guy has stones. You can't teach that. You can't teach toughness, a Dub. Yeah. And the other thing you add to that, press, you can't teach instincts either. You just got to have it or you don't. And that kid has some pretty good instincts. When he feel that pressure, he tries his best to get out the way and make something happen. So what, you give him an A as well? I gave that guy an A-plus for his... I mean, you can't get no higher than that. Okay, so A-plus for A-dub. I give him. I give that draft an A. The only reason why I give it an A is because it's TBD on if I'm going to throw that plus on there or not. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yes, sir, because uh, Matthew Nagy has a lot to, to do if I'm going to add a plus to it. So, Matthew, <laughs> we watch. Yes, sir, we are. All right. So second round grade, A-Dub, what, what, what you give a Tevin, the Tevin Jenkins pick in the second I get, round? I get that pick an A. I gave Fields an A-plus because it's Fields, but I gave Jenkins an A. I think Jenkins okay. has a lot of upside to him, Perez. And the kid, I know we talked about him earlier about what he might play. What is, is he going to start right away or wait? To me, the guy has a future with us. And I could just see, we talked about his nastiness, right? This guy is a hell of a blocker. This guy's a hell of an attacker. I call him attacker because he's attacking guys. He's not waiting for you to come to him. He's going to you. He's going to meet you over there. Right. <laughs> you, and he's going to right. try to lay you out. So this guy here, man, I'm just looking forward to him playing. Because I told you before, Perez, as I alluded to, he's going to piss a lot of people off in a good way, right? He's on our side of the table. He's with us. But he's going to piss a lot of those defenders off. And that's what you want a guy to do on this line to add that extra element, right, of aggressiveness. He brings all that. Listen, fuck their feelings, because at, at my point, we need more of that on this damn offensive line. We need a guy that's going to piss some people off, you know, because one thing that I'll say about Charles Leno now, A-Dub and I both said, you know, we thought that they should have given the guy another year. But at the right. same time, when you look at some of the reasons why I think that we didn't punch teams in the mouth, we didn't get off the bus running the ball, was because you had guys on those tackle positions that didn't bring that type of toughness and tenacity to the position. So with a Tevin Jenkins, yeah, he's going to piss people off. He's going to play to the whistle, but guess what? That's what we want. And if people exactly. got a problem with it, fuck them. It's football. Exactly. It's football, man. It's football. But the one thing I want to give him credit for, though, Perez, he knows who he's going to block before it even happens. He already knows. He's reading it very well. And when that guy got that ball, man, he always have his eye on his prey. He's going right forward. So we're going to see a lot of that in the season whenever he decides to play, whenever we get him on the field. And I'm looking forward to that part of the game. Man, facts. So I give that selection an A as well. The thing that I really liked about this kid is the versatility. So obviously, A-Dub and I talked about the fact that he primarily plays the right side. He has played some on the left side a few games. But he also played a little bit on the interior of the line as well. So he got reps there as well in college. So just a polished offensive line prospect. and. The one area that I'm really impressed with him on, A-Dub, is his run blocking ability. Yeah. He is mm -hmm. domi he's dominant at that part of his game already, right? And now right. the pass protection part of his game is solid, and it's going to probably get better. And that's one of the main reasons why, for me, I would prefer for him to be on that right side of the line just where he can kind of get up to speed and just be a mauler and just basically use that toughness and let yeah. Montgomery run behind him on that side of the line because <laughs> – He's all clear hole. <laughs> yes, he is. 
Oh, man, Prez, I'm glad you brought Montgomery, man. I think Montgomery's going to love this guy because you're right, Prez, especially in that run game, that's where his asset is really at. And I'm telling you, man, how he was going through guys. I mean, I saw what he's making multiple hits on multiple players, Prez. He hit one guy and go hit the other guy. I said, man, mm-hmm. you got that kind of nastiness on, the, on your offensive line? That speaks volume. And that's what a guy like, like Montgomery would love to run behind a guy like that because he knows this guy is going to make that perfect block and get through that little hole. He's going to get through that hole and, and make some things happen. Yep, exactly. So this was a no-brainer A for me. I think that Jenkins at 39 was a steal for us. And I know we gave up some draft capital to get him, but you know what? I had no issue with it because a guy at that talent at 39, when everybody thought that he was going to be a first-round draft pick, I mean, most people, and we talked about this before, A-Dub, they mm-hmm. thought he was going at 20. Right, right. So to get a guy like that at 39 – to protect your franchise quarterback, brother, brother, brother. Thank you, Ryan Pace, once again. Yeah, I'm excited about that pick, Perez. I'm with you. I'm excited about this one. I really am. So we we talked about the fact that we traded away some draft capital in this draft. So obviously we had picks in the first round, pick in the second round. We didn't draft again until the fifth round. So we had Borum. This was a guy that A-Dub and I briefly talked about last week, offensive tackle out of Missouri. So right tackle prospect. I gave this draft pick a B minus A dub. Now, when I look at this, I look at Larry as probably more of a depth piece. He'll probably be kind of like a sixth offensive lineman type of deal. You know, hopefully he can bring a little bit of versatility to the line. The reason why I say that is because he also played guard in college right along with playing tackle. So there is that ability to be able to kick him inside where he can play guard. But since tackle was a big concern for our team over the course of the offseason, it was nice that Ryan Pace did make another pick at, on the offensive line. So I think we did a really good job of addressing this position in the draft. So I give it a B minus. Borum, I think, is going to do a really good job of kind of shoring up a couple things for us. You know, I went back and looked at some film on this guy. I wanted to get a little bit more details on him, man. And I went back and I watched the game between him and Alabama. And Alabama was trying to get that team hell, right? With blitzing those guys from all kinds of look. One thing I can say about Borum is that in that game, Chris, he made some hell of some blocks. I mean, the guy knew exactly where the blitz was coming from. I mean, he understood his reads. He knew who to pick up. He knew who to block. It showed that a lot of the team members on his team were the ones missing blocks and things of that nature. He actually helped the quarterback out a lot in many ways because the quarterback would cheat and move up right because he knew he had help on the right side and didn't have anything on the left. So I was like, yeah, so we can see a change in the quarterback in, in, in the game. So to me, it shows that, hey, the quarterback realized that, hey, I know what my help is at. I know it's going to get good blocks for me. And under Borum, they actually made some good plays. So for me, this pick here, Perez, it lets me realize that, you know, the kid does have some good instincts, some good upsides to him. And you're right, it's part of our depth. I wasn't surprised that Pace went in this direction, but I am happy we got this guy to add to the depth piece because I will get that grade from that standpoint. Because I'll give it a B just for me looking at this holistically and what he's been able to do with college. I will give him a B. So, yeah, and, and I think that that uh, call-off for the Alabama game is really awesome because that's a game where most people kind of signal why they like this pick because, to A-Dub's point, going up against that Alabama team where basically damn near every start on their defense they got drafted this year. So you got to think about that. But in that game, he didn't allow a sack, a quarterback hit, or a quarterback hurt. Now I want you guys to think about that. Going up against that Alabama defense, he didn't look up anything on his side of the field. That says a lot about this guy's abilities. <laughs> right. And I, you, you see the difference between the left side versus the right side. A lot of pressure was getting through that left side, Perez, in that Alabama game. They were trying to blitz hard. It wasn't working as successful as they were doing the left side. So I got to give this kid a lot of credit, Perez, for what he was able to bring. Now, I would say, though, he's probably a little bit more raw as a, as a prospect. And also, one other thing for our listeners to keep in mind, leading up to the NFL draft, Borum dedicated himself a little bit, lost a little bit of weight because he played a little heavier over the course of the season. So that's also an area where we're seeing that now he's starting to kind of get fit. You know, he's basically going to be a part of an NFL organization, so he'll have the benefit of being able to work out with those strip teams. So that's something right, right there that we might we not we might not have even seen the best of what this kid could do yet, which is going to be really really important as we as we go, look ahead. Yep, absolutely, Perez. That's what I'm looking forward to to see how he continues to develop. You had a good point about that earlier about his development. Still some things to work on, but I think he has a great chance of developing very well for us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In the sixth round, 
we had a couple picks. The first one I want to talk about is Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech running back. A-Dub, what were your thoughts? You know what this pick here, Perez, I thought it was an interesting pick based upon the fact we got a lot of depth at the running back position already. I didn't think we really needed a running back, but you never know, right, when it comes down to health of, of running backs in general. We saw Tariq Cohen get hurt last season, and that hurt a lot. So this kid has an upside to where he can do multiple things. He may be somebody we need for special teams to work on that area. And he's probably was the best player in the draft at this level at that point, right? We drafted him that late in the draft pack, in the draft class. So therefore, he's probably the best available piece there that I thought that could possibly give us some help in other areas like special teams. So I am looking forward to seeing how much he plays, how much he continues to learn. But one thing I will say, Perez, this guy runs the football in the backfield exactly how he would do on special teams. This guy can shoot gaps, you want to gather gaps areas. I mean, make nice little cuts to where his blocking is at. I do like the pick. But again, it's going to be hard for him to get a lot of time in at the running back position based upon how deep we are. So I kind of gave this pick a C. Okay. So for this one, and I talked about this on on the show that we did yesterday, Smoke Room. I I thought with this Khalil Herbert pick, this was just Ryan Pace just kind of showing off. I think this guy, basically, he couldn't believe that Herbert was available in the sixth round. Right. A lot of people had him a little bit higher up on the draft boards. Right. Now. A lot of fans will probably say, well, I wonder why the Bears will take another running back. Well, I kind of thought the same thing, too, on hindsight, right? But then I thought about it a little bit more, and I I mentioned a little bit earlier that I think that the Bears are going to use Tariq Cohen a little bit more as a receiver in the slot this season. I really just feel that Tariq Cohen was really explosive when they used him in that that role a few years ago. And I think that that might be a position that that you're going to probably see him do a little bit more. Also. We know that you got Montgomery. We know that you got Damian Williams. So Khalil Herbert made this lineup and be a number three running back on this team. Also, one of the things about Herbert that a lot of people don't mention is the fact of his special teams ability. Right. We talk about a lot on this show, Cordero Patterson. We lost an all-pro guy there. So you have a guy, Herbert, who was another guy that Ryan Pace has brought in here that has some return ability. I can't even imagine the competition you're going to have with all these guys that have that ability. They have, they're going to have their pick of the litter with who they can have back there at punt returner and a kickoff returner. There's going to be so many options. And that is a good problem to have. A great problem to have for his And Yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, I saw this down on special teams, man. I was like, man, he had a nice little burst on him. Nice speed. Yep. He can go, man. I mean, he can really can move. And the thing is, Perez, you see when he takes his time, and this guy's already thinking three steps ahead of everyone else when it comes down to special teams. So the fact that he can do that and be a running back, that's an asset in itself. But you're right, Perez, we got a lot of competition in some of these areas, and um, we're going to have to figure out who's the best suit for what. We got things we can play around with. And like you said, the more depth we have in those areas, the better for the team, just in case someone gets injured. Facts. And the thing with Herbert, I think he's going to come here to Chicago, be a nice change of pace back out of the backfield. But one area that I was kind of concerned with, just with looking at some of the film that I saw on him, he's going to have to improve as a pass catcher. That's yes. the type of thing in this offense, what we need out of our running backs. We know that we got it in Damian Williams. We know that we got it in Montgomery. We definitely know we got it in Tariq Cohen. So that's an area that he's going to have to clean up a little bit in his game. But I gave the pick a, a, a B minus. B minus? Okay. Not bad at all. The next six-rounder A-dub was Daz Newsom. Now, this pick right here, my guy, I gave a B-plus to. And I'm just going to tell you one thing. We talked earlier in the show about speed and how it mm-hmm. kills and how this wide receiver rule for the Bears is going to probably resemble a 4 by one relay team. But I'm telling you one thing. They got a steal here in Newsom in the sixth round, bro. The athleticism, the speed that he's going to bring to that wide receiver position this dude is a human highlight reel just anytime he touches the football. I'm going to let A-Dub get in here, but I'm telling you, this was my favorite pick at this part of the draft for the Bears. Man, Prince, I was excited for this pick, too. And here's the deal, Prince. I'm not even a North Carolina type of guy, you know, when it comes down to football. But this guy definitely makes sense for the Bears. You know, the one thing I like about him, Prince, is in the short game, like the short passes, this guy can catch the ball and turn that into something. Because you're right, he's so explosive like that. I mean, I saw so many plays with him, man, in college, and it amazed me with the use of his speed. This guy caught the small, many short passes and turned those to like 15, 20 yards. So that's the one thing I think about him in that, in that aspect. And then he can also go long. 
So <laughs> you got a guy who can play in each in e- any area like that. You can also put him somewhere prayers around near the backfield as well. You can catch those short passes out of there and turn those to something. You can put him in now jet plays as well. So it's like this guy can bring so much to the table and from a slot standpoint versus just those gadget plays as well. So I think Nagy can do a lot with this kid here when it comes down to being on the field. Yeah, and guess what? Here's another example of also a guy that has special teams value. We got another returner in the Daz Newsom. So a lot of our listeners just turn on the tape and watch this guy in the return game. This guy with the football in his hand is just something really, really great to see. You're getting a guy that's tough, and he understands how to maneuver and get through traffic. That is one of the things that I really like about him and how he's going to be perfect in that slot. And I'm going to say one other thing here. Mm -hmm. The upside of playmaking that that I see in Daz Newsom, I'm looking at this, and he could be another steal like Darnell Mooney was last year. I'm just saying, you you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. Friends, here's the other thing, brother. He don't get enough credit for blocking either. The kid can, can block too, man. He gets he gets down to dirty. He sacrificed for the team, and he'll throw his body out there, man, to, to make a good play. So I like that part about it. You hit the point about him being tough. That's part of his toughness. And also, too, we see no tape. That guy break a tackle. You better watch out. Like you said, you can take those <laughs> short passes, and next thing you know it, he's 20, 30 yards down the field. I mean, <laughs> in, in, in the NFL, that opens up the field for other guys on your team. So this draft pick here, B+. Plus, Another good pick by Ryan Pace. Yes, sir. I give him a B-plus as well, Press. All right, cool. Well, the last six-rounder, A-dub, I want to get your thoughts on Thomas Graham, the cornerback out of Oregon. I thought it was a good pick. I gave it a C. I still thought it was a good pick, though, because I still think there's some upsides to this kid when it comes down to his playmaking ability. One thing I like about this kid is his toughness, Press. He's not afraid to get up on the scrimmage line to guard guys. He's a guy who I think would be very good to me playing in the slot, right, uh, the receivers. And I think he can give us some value there down the road. I know we got some other depth pieces as well when it comes down to, to um, guarding the slot, but I think he can also add to that. So I do like him. I like the kid's toughness. He plays pretty good in zone coverage. The one thing I like about him in zone coverage, press is that he can get to that ball pretty quickly. So this kid got some speed. He can read the defense pretty well. He's going to get better with that too um, as he go along. But I mean, reading the offense very well. But he's going to get better. I like him, man. I like this pick here. It was a safe pick by Ryan Pace. And I think this kid can bring some value down the road. Yeah, so when I looked at this one, A-Dub, I wondered if this was a situation of a guy that fell in a draft because he opted out of the season. So that was my first thought when I thought of Thomas Graham. So uh-huh. when you look at the tape on him, I agree with you in the sense that, yeah, he's got some really good ability there in zone coverage. But the big thing for me is I looked at it and I said, he may be more of a fit as a slot corner for us than playing yeah. on the boundary. Now, we didn't address cornerback with a higher pick in the draft, but I think the addition of Graham gives us some uh, depth there in the slot. Because the one thing that I'll say here is I have never really been sold on Duke Shelley, and I nicknamed him Toast on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So we need to get somebody there to put some pressure or put some competition with Shelley because – one of the things that we really like what Pace has done with this roster is he's creating competition. He has put right. in so much depth on this roster that it's going to force some of these guys that have been on the, on the team to either elevate or get the fuck out of the way. Yep, I'm with you. It's pretty simple here, but I would say I'm not sure what the future of the cornerback position is going to be for the Bears, but we know True Font's probably just going to be like a one year stopgap type of guy there. So we'll see what happens. But I think here, this guy, Thomas Graham, he had some talent to go a little bit higher in the draft. So I think this was another situation where Ryan Pace got a guy at a spot in the draft that was pretty surprising. Yeah, man, it was a surprising pick. I'll tell you one thing. We knew we needed some more depth press. These are guys that Pace really have done his homework on. And I got to give Pace credit for this particular pick right here. So, yeah, I'm kind of happy about this pick. Yep. So in the seventh round, in the final pick of the 2021 draft, the Bears drafted Big-ass tackle. Defensive <laughs> tackle. From BYU. What do you think about that pick? Because I'll just say for me, I gave it a B-. minus. The big thing here is defensive line, we always talk about A-dub, is a strength of this ball club. But yep. you can never have too many guys that can basically clog up the running game for opposing uh, offenses. But what do you get your thoughts on it? 
I gave it a, a C plus. I like this part of our depth because I think pretty much going to play at the nose tackle. We only have Goldman really as a true, true, I will say a true nose tackle on the right. team. So that does fare Goldman. We need to take a break. Of course, we have Hicks as well who can do multiple things, but it's good to have somebody for sure, a sure thing, who's willing to play that role. I looked at film on this guy as well, Perez, and I'll tell you, this guy's hungry. <laughs> uh, the games I saw him playing, man, the guy was trying to get through that hole, man, and make something happen. I mean, I like his delay rush. He'll pause for a second and then just break through those gaps and shoot at the quarterback and try to make something happen there, get a t- create a turnover, whatever. But the thing is, you like his toughness, man. And this kid learning to play with Goldman or learning from Goldman and learning from this defense can help this kid get better. So I think there's some upside to him as well, Perez, as he continues to grow. And learning from our defensive um, team here can definitely help him. And I'll say this too. I, I would say in the seventh round of the draft, and, and I talked about this earlier when it came to Charles Leno, the ROI on that draft pick of getting someone that was a starter for that number of years at that spot in the draft, great yeah. ROI. So my thing is, a lot of times teams, they have the luxury in the seventh round to gamble a little bit. And so I think that when you look at Tonga, I think he's a developmental prospect, but he gets the yep. benefit of learning under Hakeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, guys that you brought up here a second ago. And I say, if you can learn under those type of guys and those type of talents in this league, the sky's the limit because this guy is a big fucking dude, man. He's big as hell, <laughs> strong. Like you said, he still has some sneaky ability to get after the quarterback, and that's an underrated part of his game. And you're right, Perez. They don't talk about that enough, that part of his game. And you, you dig deep into film, you're like, whoa, this guy got a chance. He has a shot. And like you said, Perez, running from the guys we already have now, man, think about the other guys we have on this team, right, who are no longer with us, how they have developed, right? We're playing with the, the Khalil, Max, and the Hicks, right? They all got good paydays out of all this. And this is a guy who, I'd say, can also learn and develop and get him a nice payday at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that bears defensive line. I mean, it's the the assembly line of talent that's been in and out of this uh, out of this defense has just been it's been insane over the last couple of years. But the one thing here with this guy, quality depth piece, I think he's got a decent enough ceiling. We'll see how it goes. But I, I will tell you. In this pass-happy league, if you could get, get a guy like this with this type of size that can be very effective against the run and he can get into the backfield and put some pressure on the quarterback, I think that if it pans out, man, it wouldn't be a bad uh, selection there in the seventh round. So, again, I get out with a B-. minus, And if I if in case I did not give my grade for Thomas Graham, I gave that a B. So, six-round draft pick Thomas Graham for Oregon, I gave that a B. And then Tonga here, defensive tackle for BYU, I give a B- minus A note. So, obviously, my grade that I give the Chicago Bears draft is an A. I mean, pretty self-explanatory. I thought Ryan Pace did a tremendous job with going out and getting Jenkins, going out and getting Justin Fields. I really thought he did a really good job of shoring up uh, depth in some areas of the team that really needed it. I also love the way that he attacked special teams. We have so much speed now. We have basically so many different options in that return game. So, I give that Bears draft an A. A-Dub, are you on the same page with that as far as the Bears draft is concerned? Yes, I am, Press. I gave him an A as well because I got to give Ryan Pace credit for tackling those positions that we thought we needed help at immediately at that. So the fact we got a quarterback that's on a one-year deal, we need a great quarterback that's going to be a franchise quarterback, we got that. We got an offensive line, some guys there, and we even went out and got a wide receiver quarterback. So to me, I thought Ryan Pace will listen to the fans. Ryan Pace also analyzed the team and went after what we actually needed. So I got to get this, this class, man, this draft class in A as well. Now, we're going to flip to our division rivals before we get out of here, audience. So when I looked at what the rest of the division did during the draft, A-Dub, obviously we had the best draft in my opinion. And that's not even me just because we're fans, because, you know, we'll, we'll be fucking 100%, 100% with you guys. Yeah, you know how right. we do. But the other team in the division who I thought had a pretty decent draft was the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I want to get your thoughts on their draft. I gave them a B plus. And one of the big things about their draft that I was impressed by was them going to get a Kellen Mond in the third round. And I thought that draft pick right there put Kirk Cousins' ass on notice. What'd you think about that? <laughs> What'd you think about that one? Hey, man, that's a good thing for them, man. They went and got Mond. I was shocked they got him. First of all, I really was, friends, because I didn't think they were actually going after, after a quarterback because they have other needs as well. But when they did that, I said, uh-oh, uh-oh, this is going to be a challenge right here. 
Kel and Mon, we all had good things to say about him, Perez. You and I, in the previous episodes, we talked about him. And that kid has a nice upside to him. So giving him those kind of, give that kid those kind of weapons they have over there, Perez, <laughs> hey, he can do some things with that. So, Kirk Cousins, you got competition. And your days just might be numbered. I'm going to preface this by saying that Cousins is probably still the starting quarterback for next season. But right. let's just be honest here. Kirk Cousins has gone to Minnesota and he's taking money. That man is out here stealing paychecks. So Kellen Mond, I think when it's all said and done, whether it's this season or next season, he may end up being the guy there in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan anyway. After what that crap he pulled against us last uh, last season for his, when he got all excited when they won the game against us, I'm like, oh, now you got the game in the bag. You want to get all excited. I'm not a fan of him, so I was pissed off. But for me, you're right, Perez. I don't think Kirk Cousins is one of those elite quarterbacks anyhow. I think they can actually, he can be expendable after the season or two, right? They might decide to keep him for additional season. But when Kellen Mond is ready, I think they're going to say, hey, hell with Kirk Cousins. No, fair point. Also, I like what the Vikings did in the first round. They drafted Christian Derrissaw. Now, he was another guy that we talked about on the show, offensive tackle candidate that I thought, or prospect that I thought was really, really strong. And right. for our listeners, you guys may not realize, but Kirk Cousins was sacked a shit ton last season. So now by getting a guy like Christian Derrissaw in there, this guy could probably be an immediate starter for them and really help them shore up that offensive line. So I thought this was a no-brainer pick, a dub. Yeah, it's no-brainer, man. You want to protect your quarterback at all costs you can. Uh, they had a chance to get a great, you know, um, offensive lineman at that time frame. So you got to give them kudos for having a, a draft pick where they can do something with. So they got the right guy. I thought so too, Perez. They needed that. It's not just for, you know, Kirk Cousins, but it definitely for their future as well. So they got them a stud. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. And then also too, I mean, if you look at what they did in the third round, they got a linebacker, uh, Chaz Charette. And that, so that's just another situation where, they got someone on their board that had a higher draft grade and someone that fell to them in the third round. So I think he may be another immediate contributor, but that's why I gave that draft a B plus, And I thought that the Vikings had the second best draft in the NFC North. They just might have press and you're right. They got the guys they needed as well to, to uh, actually uh, help them out immediately. So you hit a good point with that part of it. Guys are probably going to get some playing time this coming season. So good for them on their part. It's competition for us. But like you said, I think we had the better class. Absolutely. The the next team that I thought that, that had a pretty decent draft was the Detroit Lions. And I gave their draft a B. Now, one of the things that I was really impressed by when it came to them is that they shored up some needs that they had on their offensive and defensive lines. And I thought they did a really good job with, with solidifying some of that. So their first round pick, they went after Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle. Now, this guy right here was the draft's top offensive tackle and I still don't know how he fell to them at seven but that was a hell of a fucking pickup for them what would you think when, when you saw him drop to seven in the draft the thing is Reg, they had to get all those good quarterbacks out the way right some of yep. them out the yep. way so when he dropped that far down I was like whoa okay but a good pick because they have Jeff Jerry Goff they want to protect Jerry Goff they just made a trade for him so they want to give him a fair chance but having a guy like this on that line is good for Jared. So he's going to enjoy that part of it. I think Sewell's going to probably start right away, Perez. I think you have the same idea about that too. So it's good for them, man. And that's a nice hell of a pickup for them. Yeah. And so a lot of people will probably say when they look at that pick, they'll say, well, was that the biggest need that the Lions had? Well, maybe not. But when you have a guy like that that falls on your to your board, I think the Lions did a good job with just taking the best player available. And that's kind of what I thought they did in that, in that scenario. So thought that that was really awesome. Also, they got that defensive tackle out of, uh, I believe, what is it, uh, shit, UCLA. They drafted him later in that second round, and I thought, wow, this guy right here, he's going to be fucking a load for uh, the Bears' interior line to be blocking, and I thought he was really good. They also, later on in the, in the draft, they got the wide receiver out of USC, Armin Ross St. Brown. He's smaller than his brother. His brother plays for the Packers, Equinemius. But I'm going to tell you, he had a very productive college career. And I thought that that was a little sneaky pick, bro. Little sneaky pick. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, they called us. They called the, uh, the league by surprise with that one. Uh, but it's a good pick, though. No doubt. It's a good pick. They got him in the fourth round, Perez. That was a safe pick, I think, in, in my opinion. 
And I think he's going to be a contributor for them at some point. They, they did definitely need some depth at the wide receiver core because they lost some, some heavy hitters, a heavy hitter recently. But yep. I think uh, for them, they, they need it. So I think he helps. He add value. They actually going to give him a chance, actually, which is good for them. He gets his chance. He's going to get his shots. So with that, he can develop. That'll be good for them. And he can probably turn into a stud for him as well. So we'll see how that works out for them. But I like the pick that they actually got. So good for them. That's right. All right. Last but not least, the Green Bay Packers. I gave them a they, I gave them a C minus. And I'm gonna say this. We all seen what's going on there in Green Bay right now between Aaron Rodgers and that organization. These these two sides are in a bit of a pissing match with one another. And you wondered if the Packers were gonna try to attempt to kind of pacify Rodgers and give him what he wanted, right? And you thought, well, maybe they'll use their first round draft choice on an offensive player. Well, as I mentioned in the last episode, they did it. They drafted a cornerback, Eric Stokes, instead. Now, they did get a replacement at center for Corey Lindsley. Now, that was somebody that we talked about a yeah. little bit earlier in the season. So, in their second round, they went after Josh Myers. Yep. So, I thought that was a good pick. The third round, they got Amari Rogers, a dub from Clemson. Guy that we talked about from the Senior Bowl, really solid slot receiver. A guy like that, if Aaron Rodgers does return to Green Bay, you know he's going to probably make, make it happen with a guy like that. You know, you give Aaron Rodgers any kind of a weapon, He's going to turn them into something, you know? Yeah, that's true. But I gave the the, the C-minus in this draft. The the pick of getting Stokes at, in the first round, eh, I thought they reached a little bit. I thought they could have gotten a better uh, talent there. Uh, I thought he was like more of a second-round talent, if, if I'm being honest. So not sure what they were thinking there. Yeah, I gave them a B uh, from the draft pick standpoint, Perez, overall, from the draft class. But you're right, Eric Stokes, Stokes you didn't think he would go first for them. <laughs> uh, I definitely didn't see that coming. But they really think highly of him. They understand that they want to get better from a defense standpoint. Um, I know they probably feel the way the reason they lost in the playoffs probably was part of that reason. So they felt that, hey, what do we want to do to try to slow down some of these other teams who got some loaded weapons? So that's probably why they picked him, thinking that he has that kind of upside to be able to guard some of those um, top-time the wide receivers. We'll see how that turns out for them. I think we got we got a good player in ourselves on our side of the table. But, and of course, we were going to need to center badly based upon what happened. So I thought they picked what they really needed to help them right away, Press. That's what I was thinking when I saw they drafted. And I have no issues with it. Um, I still think our class better than theirs as well. But still, I thought these guys they picked up were guys who could come to contribute right away for them. Yeah, I mean, I saw this a little bit different. I think with any time when you take a guy in the first round that it basically is is such a reach that a lot of people kind of look at it that way i think mm-hmm. that's i think that takes your draft grade down quite a bit also yeah. too when you have a franchise quarterback on your team i don't give a fuck what type of organization you are if your quarterback wants weapons you get that quarterback some weapons they should have drafted a wide receiver there in that first round. I think that that would have been the move there, even though they went and got the receiver in the third round. But I think that in that first round, that would have gone a long way to make Aaron a little happier there. Because right now, you got a situation there where Aaron Rodgers pretty much has said, told them, I don't want to be back there anymore. He's making fun of the GM, calling him Jerry Krause. To, to, to <laughs> Bro, that shit is a mess out there, man. It is. And the thing is, friends, you are so right. To make Aaron Rodgers happy, they could have drafted their wide receiver first. But the fact they dropped the cornerback, I am happy. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I am extremely happy. If they're over there having an issue over there with who they drafting, who they breaking the board, they having trouble over there, I'm happy they're having trouble. Because guess what? I hope it leaks over to the season. So for me, <laughs> keep it going on, fellas. Keep it up. Keep it up. Make Aaron Rodgers as, as unhappy as you possibly can. Because guess what? You're doing us a favor over in Chicago. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this. I, I hear everything you're saying. I want that thing to fall apart too. But just the, <laughs> the, 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 the football fan of me, when I look at this situation on the outside and I'm being objective about it, yeah, I just look at this thing and I say, you don't get a quarterback of a, a Aaron Rodgers caliber overnight. I mean, look at the Bears. That's we've true. sat back and watched Green Bay have Brett Favre followed up by Aaron Rodgers. And we've tried it out 25 bones in that time, right? And so right. when you look at that, I wonder, is this arrogance on the part of the Green Bay Packers? Whether it's going to work out well for the rest of our division, that's cool. But when I look at this, I say, what are they doing? Yeah, yeah. So and I'm with you there. I'm with you there, Perez. You're right, man. To draft a cornerback first, <laughs> um, that is a little bit concerning. And to me, even drafting um, 
Josh Myers, um, second to me, was still concerning as well. I thought they could have got a center in the third round, Perez, you asked me. <laughs> I think somebody would have been there solid-wise for them. So just even seeing their draft choices, cornerback, center, then wide receiver, you're like, hmm, really? With this kind of talent in this class, this is the route you go. So to me, you're right, Perez, it's telling to see what Green Bay thinks is important versus what Aaron Rodgers thinks that is important. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we'll see how it all shapes out. But to kind of just wrap up this episode, man, the Bears, I think, had not only the best draft in the NFC North, I think they had one of the top drafts in the entire NFL. Uh, only time will tell how this draft class pans out you know, over the course of, of the season. But right now, mm-hmm. just on paper, and some of the things that we saw on film, I really think it was a favorable draft, A-Dub. One quick shout-out I want to, to give to us. Audience, this is our 50th episode of the Barry Central's podcast. And we want to thank all of you guys for rocking with us, man. I know there's some of you guys that have been with us since the beginning, but guess what? Even the people that have come on halfway or people that recently come on, it don't matter. We appreciate every single one of you guys. And, man, this, this episode has been fun. Episode 50, A-Dub. We got many, many, many more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, man. Friends, I'm looking forward to those, man. And I'll tell you one thing. It's been a pleasure doing this with you too, man. I, mean, I have a joy. And we both are Bears fans. And, and we want to thank everybody that's been rocking with us through these 50 episodes. And we're looking forward to 50 more, plus more than that. And uh, just looking to have a great time talking about our Bears, man. And uh, whether it's a good day or bad day, we got something to say. Yes, right. And, and you guys know that good, bad, or different. When you cut on this show, you're going to walk away with one or two things and you're probably going to laugh a lot, too. So we want to make sure that we continue to bring those vibes to you guys when you turn on DBE. So shout out to you, A-Dub on 50. Congratulations. We got more to come for the audience and we appreciate you guys for rocking with us, man. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Dope ass episode. And we are out. A-Dub, gonna sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Barry Sanchez podcast. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for your continued support of this podcast. Bears Nation, come down with us. Hey. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.